Thanks so much, Tim. And I just want to add my welcome to any of you who particularly are visiting us this morning. We'd love to chat with you at the end and tell you a little bit more about the life of the church. Uh, it is so good to be with you on this really significant and during this very significant week in the life of our nation. I'll come to the reading in a moment, uh, but just as a way of introduction. On Wednesday evening, I led prayers for our nation as part of our whole church prayer meeting and referenced 1 Timothy chapter 2, which starts, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. Little did I know that within 24 hours, we would be praying for our king on the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth II. During these days, we must continue to pray for King Charles III, as we've just been doing, as he starts this long-awaited role. And indeed, pray for the new Prime Minister, Liz Trust, praying for godly and just government of our nation. But today, rightly, we are focusing on the Queen and the reality that she has died. The media is full of stories, people sharing memories, pictures, videos, and comment. I first saw the Queen at the Commonwealth Games in 1970 in Edinburgh. Uh, she was at a distance. I was quite young. And she was wearing a lime hat. There you are. She was our queen for over 70 years. Head of state, leader of the Commonwealth of Nations, and defender of the faith and supreme governor of the Church of England. That's the church of, what, of which we are a part. She was patron of over 600 charities, including the Bible Society, and the Church Pastoral Aid Society, which is jointly with Bishop Stephen, the patron of St. Barnabas. And uh, Mike Duff from CPAS wrote to us uh, on Friday to say he was praying for us this, uh, this weekend. And he went on to say, the Queen was our patron, and we have so valued her consistent witness to Jesus throughout her reign. May the Lord receive her in glory and help us all to emulate her courage, faithfulness, and humble service as disciples of Christ. Amidst all the different aspects of who she was, what I will focus on this morning is her faith in Jesus. What can we learn from someone whose life was so different from ours in so many ways, but, like all of us, comes to birth, lives on earth, then dies. So we're going to turn to our reading, and it's taken from John chapter 11. In the build-up to our reading, uh, Jesus has uh, been called by, uh, sent a message by some dear friends, Mary and Martha, to say that their brother Lazarus is really ill. This family, Mary, mother, and Lazarus, were clearly friends of Jesus. They're, and as Jesus 
hears the message and then waits. His friend Lazarus dies. And he's a dearly loved friend. We, la- we read later in the passage that Jesus wept. It's one of the shortest verses in the Bible. And it comes from his guts, that weeping. Jesus says to the disciples, we need to go back to Jerusalem. Even though it's a dangerous place for Jesus. And by this time, Lazarus is dead. And Jesus states it clearly to his disciples. So we pick up the account from verse 17 in John's Gospel. So chapter 11, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will live again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So let's pick up the first aspect from this passage. Comfort. Verse 19. Many Jews had come to comfort Mary and Martha on the loss of their brother. This is a natural and important reaction when we hear that someone has died. We go to comfort the bereaved. And the heritage of our faith comes originally from the Jewish faith. And people in that tradition have a fantastic way of gathering when somebody dies. We can learn a lot from that. We gather in the home and serve food. But naturally, we go to comfort the bereaved. And we saw on Thursday afternoon this type of coming together. The royal family heading north to Balmoral. That's an action that resonates with all of us, racing to be with someone we love who is about to die. Whether or not we arrive in time, it's essential to gather gather together with family and friends and with wider community when someone we love dies. And it's important that following loss that we're around for people. The Bible says, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. Are there people around you at the moment for whom the death of the Queen has sparked memories of loss for them? How can you comfort them? One of the reasons we're opening the church up 11 o'clock till 4 o'clock every day up until the funeral 
is to give people space to allow loss and grief to surface and to reflect in a peaceful place in the presence of God. It's very simple. We have a condolence book to sign. We have candles to light and space for people to sit and reflect. And I spoke with somebody yesterday. The conversation started outside the building. They were just passing by and we got into a bit of a conversation. And as they spoke about the Queen, tears started to come to their eyes. And I said, there's this opportunity inside. So they came in. And there's someone who wouldn't normally step into a church. But they spent time here. It allowed some grieving to take place in the presence of God. So I'd encourage you to invite people to come. Bring them along. Come yourself as well. And if you're able to help us uh, by being around during that time, uh, 11 till 4 from a Monday onwards, do let myself or Tim know at the end of this uh, gathering this morning. And secondly, are you here this morning yourself becoming aware of grief rising? I would encourage you to use the space to reflect and to receive prayer. And we'll give opportunity at the end of this gathering for us to pray. To because the Bible's really clear in 2 Corinthians. The Bible says, we comfort each other with the comfort that God himself has given to us. So I know when I've been in times of grieving, people have gathered around me and comforted me and reminded me of God's comfort. And it's with that that then I'm able to extend that comfort to other people. So that's the first aspect of our reading, comfort, gathering together to comfort each other and people that we know are being stirred in this time. So let's return to our reading and our second aspect, which is service. Verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha, the activist, she has to do something in the moment. Clearly, that's what she's about. We read in Luke's gospel that she's the one getting things done, a woman of action, serving. And the repeated phrase about Queen Elizabeth II is her remarkable life of service, making a commitment to serve people and carrying it through over 70 years. It's quite extraordinary. But what is that life of service? What was it based on? Well, it's really clear it's based on her faith in Jesus. In 2010, she told the Church of England General Synod, which is the biggest gathering of the Church of England uh, in synodical terms, in meeting terms, much bigger than our PCC, for example. This is what the Queen, as Supreme Governor of the Church of England, said to the Church of England. At the heart of our faith stands not a preoccupation with our own welfare and comfort, but, with, but the concepts of service and sacrifice as shown in the life and teachings of the one who made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant. 
but we can describe that as a boom moment, can't we? That's her speaking to her church. Hmm. And then speaking to the nation in 2012 at uh, Christmas, she reminded us that this is the time of year when we remember that God sent his only son to serve, not to be served. Both to save us and as an example to us. And it's really clear that the queen followed the example of Jesus in her life of serving others. Amidst all of the reality of service and duty, uh, there's also a sense of fun. Remembering back to the Olympic Games in 2012, and uh, that uh, moment where there is a camera shot on the queen's uh, drawing room, and we can see a back of somebody, and the camera shot's there, and Daniel Craig, acting as James Bond, walks in, surrounded by the corgis who are yapping at his heels. That was quite fun. And, I, and as he comes in, I was watching this uh, with thousands of other people at Hyde Park. I'd gone to see the opening ceremony on a big screen, surrounded by thousands of people. And as Daniel Craig walks into that room, around us, and myself included, we're all going, well, who's that? Who's playing the Queen? What, what's... what's What's going on there? Oh, yeah, I wonder who the queen is. And then this figure turns round, and all of us together go, it's the queen! <laughs> we could not believe it. We were absolutely... She pulled a huge joke on the nation, didn't she? I don't think anybody thought that was the queen until that moment that she turned and faced the camera. I think she also played a joke on the family, her family. I don't think they knew either. And more recently, at the party at the Palace, we've had that uh, lovely little interaction with Paddington Bear where he's tried to share a marmalade sandwich with her and she's got one out of her handbag and said, this is where I keep mine. You'll have to check these out on YouTube. They're all there. Lot of fun. And at the end of that, she taps her teacup. And this is what uh, the person who co-wrote that, that sketch and also co-wrote the James Bond one, uh, the writer's called Frank Cottrell Boyce, and this is what he said on Friday morning. He emphasised that for the Paddington sketch, he certainly did not ring up the palace, as he believes that the idea for the Queen's involvement with Paddington actually came from the palace itself. At the end of the sketch, the Queen tapped on her teacup as the rock band Queen began their performance marking the beginning of the Jubilee concert outside Buckingham Palace. Frank said, I put my hand up and said in those script meetings, I was very adamant that we shouldn't end with her tapping the cup. I thought, she'll never pull that off. It's much too much to ask. He went on to say, she pulls it off brilliantly. Amazing. She's absolutely glowing in that moment, isn't she? But I also think, he said, it's true happiness. She's someone who is approaching the end of her life. She knew she was. This is a sign-off, isn't it? And as a woman of faith, that was a prospect that she could look forward to. You're looking at someone who's approaching that with a happy heart. 
that's what's bringing the tears to my eyes. It's that moment of faith. So what gave Queen Elizabeth that lightness as she approached death? It was her clear faith in Jesus. As the book, she was somebody who knew what is stated in the book of Job. These famous words, she knew this. I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last after my body has decayed. Yet in my body, I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought. That's Job 19 verses 25 to 27 from the New Living Translation. Returning to our reading, our queen knew the reality of the resurrection. We come back to Martha in verse 27. Martha says, Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Martha and her statement of faith. She'd come a long way since getting annoyed with her sister for just sitting. Still the activist, she'd come to recognize for herself her faith in Jesus. She is remarkable. Apart from Peter and the centurion at the cross, she's the only person to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. That's her personal story. That's her testimony. Now, I noticed that with my grandmother and my mother, that they both became, let me say, how, how do I say that? How do I say this? They became a little bit more direct in their 80s than earlier in their life. I don't know whether it was, you know, we got to 80, thought, right, no time now to faff around with long sentences. I've got to be clear. Go for it, go for it. So I pray for that gift at at some point, maybe a bit sooner. But I noticed the same thing in the Queen's Christmas broadcasts. She became more direct as she grew older. Here's one example. Billions of people follow Christ's teaching and find in him the guiding light for their lives, she once said. I am one of them. Can't get any clearer than that. And what she was doing there is living out the reality that she received at her coronation. She was given the Bible, and at that moment, this is what was said to her. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. She was committed to reading the Bible regularly. She was patron of the Bible Society. She prayed daily and worshipped at church at least weekly. And the outworking of that was that life of service that we talked about earlier. I don't have time to read it to you now, but I really would 
ask you to look at the, Chris, the words of the Christmas broadcast from 2012, uh, sorry, 2011, 2011. She uh, speaks so clearly about her faith in Jesus in that. And she ends with the forgiveness that lies at the heart of the Christian faith. She says about forgiveness, it can heal broken families, it can restore friendships, and it can reconcile divided communities. It is in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. And then she basically preached for a response because she had the song of the little town of Bethlehem with the words, descend to us, we pray, enter in to us. And she closed with, it is my prayer that on this Christmas, we might all find room in our lives for the message of the angels and for the love of God through Christ our Lord. Now, when you factor into 2011 was the year that she met Martin McGuinness and shook his hand, demonstrating forgiveness to somebody who used to be the leader of the IRA, who had been complicit in murdering one of her relations. When you read that Christmas broadcast, that will be so powerful. So do read it. 2011 was in there. And not only that, but the Queen gave huge encouragement for us to be bold about our faith. I understand that she challenged bishops to do that more and said, come on, church, speak more about your faith. She encouraged people to say, as a Christian, I believe in the hope of the resurrection. She was fully respectful of other faiths and of people who had no faith. But she was also super clear about, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And within that, there's an invitation. She believed in the hope of the resurrection. And she believed that because of what we read in verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's a question. If you're here this morning and your answer to that question, do you believe this, is no. Don't go before you have a chat with somebody. Any of us up the front, anybody with badges on, have a conversation with us. We'd love to tell you why we believe this, why it's important to us. If you're going through a moment of doubt, and let's face it, everybody in life of faith in Jesus go through times of doubt. Again, don't leave this place until you've had the conversation with somebody here. We'd love to talk. We'd love to pray with you. But for all of us, let's take on that reality that Jesus has risen. You see, after Jesus said this, he did a remarkable miracle. He raised Lazarus from the dead to the glory of God and so that the people standing there would believe that God sent Jesus. This miracle was an immediate precursor to his own death and resurrection, so that when the disciples looked back, they had a further tangible example of Jesus' rulership over death. If they ever thought, ooh, did I actually see Jesus? Oh, hang on, there's Lazarus. He's right there. He was in the tomb for four days. Looks pretty healthy now. He's certainly not smelling. It's a reality there. Jesus conquered So, 
I'm finishing now to say, as we go through these days, comfort those who mourn. Serve people with acts of kindness and generosity. And speak clearly of the resurrection hope we have in Jesus. Amen? Amen.